Wow, it's truly an honor to, to be up here today. Um, I just want to open in prayer. So Father, I just, I just thank you for this incredible opportunity to, to minister to the hearts of people today, Lord, to minister from your heart. And Lord, I just pray that you'd empower me with your words that I would be not in the way of what you want to do in this place. And I just, I just release your joy, I release your freedom, and I declare and decree to the heavenly realms that the darkness must flee, and we call upon your anointing to just overtake this place, to overflow in this place. Holy Spirit, come and have your way through me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Okay. I just, um, I, prepared a, I prepared a sermon. I'm not, I'm not lying, I did. I did prepare a sermon. <laughs> but, but the Lord had another plan. <laughs> and he threw my plan out the window. So I'm just going to be open to what he's leading me into today. I'm going to start off with the scriptures that really kind of inspired me for this word. Um, and I just want to read them for you um, in Psalm 26 and 27. I'm going to start off Psalm 26, verse 2. David says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Test my heart and my mind. And then Psalm 27 he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is my refuge and stronghold of my life. Whom shall, of whom shall I be afraid? This is from the Amplified, Amplified Version. And I just really have had something on my heart. Excuse me if I take my shoes off. I'm just not comfortable in them today. Um, I thought for a long time I've just I've been through some stuff in my life where we've encountered a lot of things, tragedies. I lost my dad last year. Or was it this year still? Sorry, that no, was last year. And um, and I just had this incredible, overwhelming sense of hopelessness that came into my life at one point. <laughs> And um, one thing about Steve Backland this weekend, I can say, is that he restores your hope. He restores your hope in who you are and who God created you to be. And this is something that I struggled with. I didn't know who I was, and I didn't understand who I was called to be in the Spirit. And of course, as, as, you, as we were going through life, you, you kind of become double-minded about so much. You know, you think this is who you are, and then somebody says, no, but that's who you are. And my mom says, this is who I am, and my dad says, no, but that's who you are. And, you know, you grab all this identity from people around you. You grab all the stuff that says this is who you are, and you believe it. And what was so powerful, me, for, powerful for me this conference, in this conference was that Steve actually unveiled the stuff. He stripped away the old mindsets and belief systems that I had grown accustomed to thinking I was. And um, 
<laughs> I love the fact that he laughs at lies. <laughs> it's just so amazing because something in our mind actually gets released when we laugh because what we're doing is we're actually discrediting. Jesus laughed, or God laughs in heaven. Why does he laugh in heaven? Because it's such a powerful force. We've been given the gift to laugh at every lie that the enemy has spoken over our lives. And so as I was um, going through this dismantling process, <laughs> I had such a, a revelation of something which really gave me freedom. It kind of it burst off, that it like opened a gate, and this freedom just, just came flooding into my spirit which really made me see things from such a different perspective. You know, when, we, when we're in a, in a struggle and we think it's the enemy, sometimes we need to stop and say, no, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not seeing things as God wants me to see them. Maybe I'm seeing things from the wrong perspective, from the wrong mindset, the wrong belief system that I've been trying to live my life in. And I had to literally strip off, and I used to get lots of pictures from the Lord where I had to, he said, take off the grave clothes. And I thought, Lord, what does that mean? I don't understand. What does grave clothes mean? And what he was saying is, is take, take off that stuff that you have believed for so long and bury it because it's not you. It's not who you are. You have been created in my image and then I asked the question, okay, Daddy, what does that mean? <laughs> Your image, what does that mean? You know, I'm, I, everybody to me looks different. We don't have the same image of God, but then God has different faces in different situations. God has different faces in different circumstances. When we go through valleys, and I've experienced this personally with Patrick and myself, we've been through stuff where we've gone through deep, deep valleys. And... At one stage, he had cancer, and we were struggling through this whole situation. How do we get through the sickness of cancer? But God allowed Patrick to go through something, and he said something to me which was just so profound. He said, I experienced a new face of God when I went through this valley. You know, sometimes there's faces of God that we never get to see when it's all going good, because then we're like really self-sufficient, self-confident. We have it all together. I mean, David, when he cried out to God and he said, Lord, examine me and prove me and test my heart and my mind. What, were you, what do you think he was saying in that scripture? Why did he ask God to prove him, to test his heart and his mind? Because I, I believe, and this is my purely from my perspective, is that he wanted to understand what was God's thoughts about the situation, and he was trying to push aside his old belief about the situation, that he was overcome, that the enemy had won. He was trying to strip off the stuff that he'd believed in the past about himself. He was a shepherd boy, and I don't know about you, but... Have you noticed that Jesus never chooses the wealthy, successful people in life? <laughs> he chooses fishermen and shepherd boys. And I've always been amazed at that, and I thought, wow, Lord, 
You don't need us to be all together. We don't need to have it all together. We just need to love you and to understand how much you love us. Because when we have that understanding of how much Jesus loves us, then we understand that we're looking into a mirror of reflection of his image onto us. And when we look at that reflection of him, it reflects to the enemy and he just runs away. Because he cannot stand to look at the face of Jesus. When he looks at our faces, what does he see? He sees Jesus. And I just, I really, I started to understand that that image that we've been created in is, is something that unlocks doors. Because what it means is that if I have the face of Christ and I'm constantly aware that I'm a portal of heaven, that Jesus is with me all the time. He lives in me. He resides in me. I reflect his glory. Wherever I walk, I bring his presence. Wherever, whenever I speak, I bring the frequency of God into every situation. Wherever I go, the light shines out around me and it touches people. If I have an understanding of that image and that authority that is living inside of me, I would never be able to have fear. But unfortunately, we, we are humans, so we're walking in this world going from glory to glory. We live from one form of glory to the next. We don't have everything downloaded yet. When we get to heaven, I think then there'll be huge downloads. <laughs> we'll have, our brains will become like supercomputers. They really are, but they will become even more better. So I just want to release an understanding to you of who you are and how much God loves you in this world. I never had a revelation of how much God loved me because I didn't love myself. And I think there's a lot of us that don't love ourselves. You know, it sounds very prideful and arrogant to love yourself. But if you don't love yourself, you can, how can you love God? <laughs> That's a big question, you know. And that one also had me stumped because somebody said to me, if you don't love yourself, you have no ability to love God. And so I started on this journey of self-discovery of um, who I really was. And it's, I've been, I was born again at the age of, oof, very young age. But then I went through life and built my own testimony. <laughs> and what a testimony it was. It was one of um, a lot of trials, a lot of backsliding. But then I'd say in the last 10 years of my life, God has accelerated me. And I believe God wants to do the same for you. This is a time that we, we don't have to play around in. We need to really get serious. Because God is accelerating so much around us. He's opening people's eyes to start seeing who they really are in the Spirit. There's a new... Um, wave of the Spirit that is coming and has come and that the Holy Spirit is just revealing himself to people. He's revealing himself to people of other religions, Muslims in, in, in countries far away that don't even know who Jesus is. And he's, and he's saying that if you will seek me, you will find me. Even the Muslims who read the Quran have found Jesus. 
And this just blows my mind at how amazing our God is. He doesn't care that you might have it not all together, not might fully understand it, but he knows that when you seek him with all you will have inside of you, he will come to you. He will never, ever disappoint. So I, th- I think David was in a very difficult place as a young shepherd boy. He actually says that, um, you know, Lord, he wants, I just want to read it here, I think it's in verse, let's find it. He says, Though the hosts encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. They, the war arises against me in this, I will be confident. One thing I have asked for the, of the Lord, that I will seek and inquire for that, and require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in his presence, all the days of my life, to behold and gaze upon the beauty and the sweet attrac- attractiveness and delight of the Lord, and to meditate and consider and inquire in his temple. And then he goes on to say, he, in verse 5, he will set me high upon a rock. And then further down he speaks of, although my father and my mother have forsaken me, in verse 10, yet Lord, the Lord will take me up and adopt me as his child. So David was obviously um, had some rejection issues. I know I uh, had rejection issues, and I used to really wear that, that mantle with great, sure, I, I had rejection, I had this happen, and I used to tell everybody about my woes, and I used to be, in a way, it was like my badge of, of um, getting away with not being all together, not being able to, to uh, give my whole heart into something, because you know what, I've suffered all these things, so therefore... It enables me to say, you know what, I'm still, I'm, I had a victim mindset, that's what I'm trying to say. And that victim mindset is what kept me in captivity for so long. It really led me away f- from taking responsibility for rising into the fullness of God, who God had called me to be. When you think about that. Victim mindsets keep us away from who God has called us to be. And that orphan thinking was something that it was so um, indoctrinated into my, my thought process that God had to speak to my heart because my mind was not comprehending what he was saying. But all Jesus did was he released his love into my heart. And then he started to, when that love settled, then he started to say, now, let's speak to this mind. I want your mind. I want to take hold of those old patterns and rewire them. And at this conference this weekend, I believe Jesus did more rewiring in my brain. (laughs) I started receiving gifts that I never thought I had. Joy had the, has the ability to release things inside of us that we never thought were there. And I just want to share that with you because joy is a powerful, powerful weapon that we can use in every circumstance. It, it, it empowers us to live a life of great destiny, of great calling. It actually releases the greatness in us. 
because there's such a freedom that comes with joy that we don't even understand who we are anymore. This, this person comes out of us. That Jesus that lives inside of you starts to manifest in your life. And that's when you start doing things that you never thought you were capable of doing. So I just want to read to you some of the things on this conference that really um, impacted me. Um, Steve said, you know, double-mindedness is being broken off today. That's what he said at the conference, and I, I thought, wow. How many of us walk double-minded throughout life? One day, we are so on fire for Jesus. When we come out of a sermon, everything is, yeah, Jesus. And we get into our car and we go home and the guy in front of us pulls in front of us without indicating and what comes out of our mouth. <laughs> I know it happened to me. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> then he said, um, don't say anything that stops the flow of grace. And you know, our words... This is one thing that the Lord took me on. The first step he took me on is the words that I spoke to myself about myself were the words that had the ability to hold me in bondage more than anything. Because you see, I was agreeing, agreeing with what the devil was telling me who I was instead of agreeing with what God was saying I was. And I would... I was my worst self, I, was, I, I used to criticize constantly and think, you know what, how can people say that they are Christians, but they still sin? I had this old mindset of thinking that, you know what, if I did not have a perfect life, if I was not living in perfection, I could not, I could not say I was a Christian. I had this thing of perfectionism on me. And the Lord one day said to me, he said, you need to stop this perfectionism, and he actually broke it off. And slowly but surely, he started dismantling all these things in my life that I had built around me thinking this is who I was. This is Tracy. And God said, no, there's a different Tracy. And he started introducing me to the new me. And then I started liking the new me. For the first time, I could actually say that I liked myself. And um, I started to really understand that all that God had done on the cross was to reveal the true identity of who I was to him. And that gave me an understanding of why he could love me. Because you see, if you don't have an understanding of um, why God loves, us, loves you so much, why he died for you, you'll be, it'll be very hard for you to accept it. Yeah. You know, I found it hard for, to, to accept that Jesus would die for someone like me. You know, that was my mindset. I was in that, that little orphan victim mindset. And it was sometimes a comfortable place to be because it didn't, it didn't challenge me to come up higher. Sometimes I would go there because it felt safe. How many of you have felt safe? in your old little ways of thinking, because that's who you are. It doesn't require that you change. It doesn't require that you bear fruit. And so God kept on saying to me, you need to start bearing fruit. Hmm. 
Okay, Lord, <laughs> how do I bear fruit? And then he started taking me through simple things. And you know, it, it's not, God is not complicated. This is not a complicated gospel. It's such a simple gospel. We make it complicated. We really do. When we just understand the pure, loving word of God, it makes it so simple. It's all about love, really. Anyway, so as I was going along my journey, I um, started encountering some things that they call strongholds. <laughs> and uh, somebody said to me one day, she said, you know, you have so many strongholds in your life, you've got to fight them, keep them off you, break them off you. And of course, I believed at one point in my walk with the Lord that this was my call to be a a warrior breaking off strongholds and fighting the devil and looking for where he's hiding in my home and I went through my whole house and I cleansed my house and I anointed my bed and I got rid of all these funny things and symbols that I thought were, were going to make me less of a Christian. I hadn't grasped the concept that God had died for everything in my life. Even that stuff that was in my house had no ability to touch me. How long I'd walked this road believing that things, people, all those things could take away what God had given me. And I was just such a, a, free, a freedom that came upon me when I realized, you know what, the blood of Jesus paid for everything. There's nothing... There's nothing in your life that you can ever do to earn it. It is only by grace. But that freedom brings, it is, I almost want to say it's like a, it's a pass into everything. It's like a free pass into everything. When we went to Singapore recently, we, we were, you had to, you've got to always pay for taxis and transport and whatever. And you could get a bus pass that, that gave you access. It's an all-access all pass into all parts of where we needed to go in, in this particular place we were staying. And that's what God gives us. He gives us an all-access pass into heaven. Not just where we are. We are portals that are established on the earth to bring heaven to earth. We are the place where God resides and his angels come and minister to us. But not only do they minister to us, they minister through us to others. So I, I really started to grasp an understanding of what this meant, and I, I actually wanted to explore further. And, you know, God takes you on various pathways, but then you kind of go down a rabbit warren, and mm, it goes, like, really deep, and you think, no, okay, whew, that's too much. I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> And then he takes you on a different path and he says, you know, everything in your life that happens to you is not necessarily from me. Because you see, I had the, the understanding that everything that happened in my life happened because God wanted it to happen. So when bad things came... I would say, okay, God, why are you doing this to me? What have I done? And then I would do this thing that David did. He says, Lord, search my heart and my, test my mind and show me where I've gone wrong. I used to look for the sin in my life. 
because I believed it was still there because I didn't understand what his blood had done. I used to look for things when the world came at me and things happened. And I said, but God, where are you? I thought you would save me from this. And I really had this mindset of, oh, you know what, I've done something wrong. And I would like, go and look at the word. And where's the sin? And I'd go, and, oh, maybe there, there was a, something in my past. And I, it was just, it was this constant turmoil. And then one day God said to me, he said, you know that Jesus doesn't have to die again for your sin. He's done it once. He's not going to do it again. His blood paid for everything. Everything. And then when my dad died, well, he'd been suffering from dementia. And um, he was also a born-again Christian. And he loved the Lord. And uh, I just, I said, Lord, you know, why does he have to suffer through dementia? Why does he have to go through what he's going through right now as an old man? And, you know, at some times he wouldn't even rem remember to phone my kids on their birthdays and things like that. And it, it, co it caused so much misunderstanding for me. And then the Lord said to me, he said, you know, your dad loves me and my hand is upon him, but your dad's unrenewed mind has also kept him in a place of bitterness. My dad, my dad used to be very bitter about my mom and his divorce, and he would tell me about it all the time. And this bitterness was something that just permeated his life in so many aspects. And, and then I started saying to the Lord, Father, what are you saying to me? Are you saying that his bitterness was his choice? To, you know, it happened and, and that was his choice. And he said, yes, it is his choice. He decided to remain in bitterness. And unfortunately, that bitterness led to him having a stroke and causing his dementia and uh, a whole lot of other things. But to cut a long story short, this is where God took me on a journey on understanding about the mind, what we hold in our minds and what we keep in our minds and how it actually keeps us captive to the things that the enemy wants to bring into your life. And uh, I really started going after this mental illness thing, you know, depression, anxiety. I had suffered from depression. I had lost a loved one in my life that led me into deep depression. And um, I just thought, you know what, this is not from God. You know, God, God, God doesn't give us depression. He doesn't give us dementia. He doesn't give us sickness. He gives us life. He died to give us life. And then I started saying, God, what is this abundant life really about? You know, if this is life we're leading to a full abundance, we need to understand what is it really about. And he started to show me that our emotions and how we think in our heads and everything that we, we hold in our mind has the ability to either bring life or bring death. And so I uh, started 
researching Dr. Caroline Leaf and all these books. I read books and books and books, and I became quite full of knowledge about it, and it's a good thing. I believe knowledge is good. However, the best knowledge you can get is from heaven. When you sit at the feet of the Father and you actually just say, Lord, show me what's going on in my head. David did the same. He said, show me what's in my head and my heart. Because that is where things start to promote us or take us off course. What is in your head and what is in your heart? What, what motivates you? What words are you speaking over yourself? Are you, are you understanding how amazing you are? Are you understanding the abilities that God has put in you? Because those are the things that are going to bring abundant life. Or are you the one that thinks about your past and how bad you've been all the time? Because your past does not have the ability to affect who you really are. In God's eyes, he sees your future and who you've been called to be. He knows your destiny. He's called you to, to live a life of greatness. Every one of us was put on this earth to actually mock the devil. Amen. We're here to bring, and I love this, Chris Vallotton speaks about it. I, I read it in his book, Supernatural Ways of Royalty, which a lot of you guys are going to still do in the school. He speaks of um, what you focus on, you empower in your life. If you focus on God, you empower him into your life. If you focus on the devil, you empower him into your life. If you focus on the stuff on television, you empower that in your life. You know, there's so much that I decided, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to let anything that comes in my eyes or my ears start to change what I think about you and how I walk with you. And I started making changes in my life about what I was watching, I don't like watching any violent movies anymore. I don't even... If I have watch a horror movie, I, I can't sleep. I have bad dreams. <laughs> and God, God said, you know what? I want you to have good dreams. I want you to live a life where you see things from heaven's perspective, not from earth's perspective. We are actually created to live from a heavenly perspective. We, we are created to walk in truth. And you know, sometimes the truth can be relevant to us in our circumstances. It's a truth that is relevant to us in the season that we're in. But it's not the truth, always. And I discovered something that not all truth is equal. <laughs> and it's a truth that... God has about us, and there's a truth that we have about where we are at. But the real truth is where we're going with him. And the destiny that he has for every one of us in this world. There is such an excitement in the spirit of, that started for me this year about the truth of where we are going. There's been a, a shift that's taken place and you know, everyone says, yeah, I'll shift this and yeah, I'll shift that. And we think, yo, Lord. And at the beginning of this year, I felt so empowered. You know, there's a shift and things were going well. And then all of a sudden, 
something else came in and, oh my goodness, it's not so great anymore. I can't see where the shift happened anymore. I'm starting to doubt if there really was a shift. But there is a shift. And that shift has taken place in our, in, 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 for me, in my way of thinking. And that is what the Bible speaks about when it says, renew your mind. And then it talks about the spirit of your mind. I just want to find it. I actually mentioned it in my sermon earlier, which I just want to just find the scripture. I think it's in 2 Thessalonians 2, actually. I just want to read it to you. Yeah, it says, to not be easily confused or disturbed in your minds by any kind of spirit. I just want to read it again. To not be easily confused or disturbed in your mind by any kind of spirit. You see, because he wants to renew the spirit of our mind with his spirit. And as we undertake to walk into changing our mindsets, those are thought processes. It's, it's like when we upgrade our computers, we upgrade it to a new, better platform. And what that, what's happening in, in, in renewing our minds is we're being upgraded onto a higher spiritual platform where we don't think the way we used to think down here. Because there's new technology, there's new information, there's new insight, there's new wisdom, if I can put it, on what people have discovered. And that's what we're doing. In our lives, we are, we, we are rediscovering something new about ourselves and about the things around us. And then God says, but I want you to discover a new thing. And he takes us to a higher level. And he says, this is a different platform. And so we go up these steps I almost see them as like steps into heaven. They're like steps of, um, people say enlightenment, but that's very new age. <laughs> but it's, you become more enlightened. Your perspective changes, your view changes, your, your whole, and, and, and Steve speaks about it. He says, you know, every day when, when things go wrong, you're like, <laughs> he was very funny, I must tell you. And he says, you, you, you let your stronghold speak to you. And then when God tells you something that doesn't agree with your stronghold, you go, oh, no, no, and it like does it like a short circuit in your brain. It doesn't make sense because your stronghold's dictating to you how you should be thinking. And, um, and I realized there are some strongholds that I thought were dealt with, but whenever adversity came, it was, it was as if God was shining a light and saying, this needs to go. This is not who you are. This is not who I've made you to be. And it was then that I started to think, well, you know what? Adversity brings enlightenment to what is still there that needs to be dealt with in our lives. There's stuff inside of us that we don't even see. We've got blind spots, I'm afraid. We are sometimes deceived. <laughs> We don't see it. We don't understand it. We don't even know it's there. But God brings us through deep waters, deep trials, because he knows that that is what's going to come out when we go through adversity.
Anyway, so as, as I was journeying on to this, this enlightenment through him, there was something I, I was researching about this medical illness that my dad had gone through and this dementia. And, and I went to a teaching or sermon at Journey of Grace by a guy from, I don't know if he's from the northern, northern countries, Sweden or Norway, and he was speaking about how they've discovered technology that in the medical profession where laser light can actually bring healing to all forms of depression and anxiety. And I just thought, wow, this is incredible. But what was so funny is God had told me about this about a week before the time. I'd spoken to my husband and I said, you know, it's so, so funny. I, I keep getting pictures because we'd been praying for his mom because his mom's also got dementia. And I said, I keep on getting pictures of light beams going into her head. I said, gee, where does that come from? <laughs> I don't understand where it's from. And then we go to Journey of Grace and this guy stands up and he says that there's medical technology where they, they put light beams but it's actually blue light, they call it blue light, that they, infuse, they, they put it on people's heads, and people are being healed of depression, they're being healed of anxiety, they're being healed of all sorts of, of mental illness. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, you told me about this a week ago, I didn't understand what it meant, but wow, that's amazing. And then also when, also it came back again two weeks ago, I got this picture again with a skull with the lights going in, and and I mentioned it to Linda at the conference. She says, yeah, but that's, that's for David. And we prayed for David. And I believe David's healed. I believe it. I have, I have a, a, I believe um, my faith level at this conference, not just at this conference, at Kingdom Come as well, my faith level was elevated to a new operating platform. And... I started to see things, not because they were there already. I saw things because God told me they were there. And I believed it. And that's the key. I believed it. And that's what Steve was talking about at the beliefs. You know, but it's not about good doctrine. It's not about what, what people are saying, this is what you should do and how you should do it. It's about what you believe about yourself. And when we start to, to grasp what we believe about ourselves, I believe that's when the suns will be revealed in the earth. Because when we understand that the earth is crying out for the sons of men to be revealed in the earth, what is it saying? It's saying we need to come into the identity of, of the true nature of who we are in Christ the true nature of what we've been created to do and to start operating from those platforms of faith and joy and hope. I just want to read you something which I thought was so good that I got at the conference as well. It says, you said, you cannot think a lie and speak the truth. <laughs> Have you ever tried that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was quite silly, actually, what came out of my mouth. I was trying to speak 
the truth, but this lie was resounding in my head. And I, th I sometimes think, that's what we do. That's what I did, I don't know about you, but I did that. I would, I would be thinking lies, but saying, speaking the truth about Jesus to people around me, but I was, I was believing lies about me. And I thought, how does that work? You cannot be double-minded if you're walking in God's glory. You have to be all in. You cannot walk in the shoes of somebody else if you want to be who you are. You cannot walk in the shoes of somebody else if you want to be who God's called you to be. And I think some of us also compare ourselves to others. We believe that what we are is not good enough. We don't, we're not worthy. Why would God call me? That's what Gideon did in the wine press. He sat there and he said, I'm the least of the least. I'm not a mighty man of valor. But you see, the thing is, is that that was when he was facing his adversity. The Midianites were chasing after him and he was trying to live in crisis mode, making his, his wheat and his little... What are those things called? Anyway, trying to make his own bit of food. And I just think to myself, you know, you, we do that in our own way. We, we, we live in crisis mode and, and think, oh, if I could just look, get through this day, I'll make it. And God's saying, no, no, no. You've got eternity with me to live in. You're going to have to get through eternity with me. It's not just one day. There's eternity that I've got for you. I've equipped you to live in eternity. You're equipped to live as an overcomer. You're equipped to have glory inside you. You're not equipped to live with darkness. So where the light comes, the darkness must go. So when we start to understand that, that those light beams... I was told one day, I don't know how true this is, but somebody told me that light, blood is congealed light. The blood that courses through our veins is congealed light. It's a life force of light that actually makes sense to me that why would light heal us? We have laser where they do uh, infrared light, then they've got blue light. You know, God, God has got a, a rainbow in heaven. Why would he have a rainbow in heaven? Because all that light, all that incredible, beautiful light can change colors and bring healing in so many areas of our lives. Where am I going with all of this? Well, we're a rainbow nation. <laughs> it's so funny, we were traveling to the conference and uh, I saw a rainbow, but I saw a very strange looking rainbow. And I kind of like rubbed my eyes and I thought, no, I wonder what that is. And it was so unusual. It was like a rainbow that it stood on its feet like this, but it, it split down the middle and its arms were out like this. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said to me, that's an angel, a rainbow angel. <laughs> so I just want to release a, a message of hope today. And like Steve says, there are no hopeless people or hope, no hopeless situations. 
but people who have lost hope. And I just, I really want to lift you to lift your gaze and to focus on him. Don't let your gaze drop. Be, let it be lifted to that higher place. You know, it says when you're striving to, to throw something or to throw a dart, you cannot, you've got to look to where you have to throw it. You have, your, your focus has to be where you're going. Your focus has to be up. If you're going to look to, at the middle, you're going to hit the middle. If you're going to look to the top, you're going to get to the top. So I, I just want to challenge everyone here today to lift your gaze. Don't allow who you believed you are or what life has told you you are to dictate to where you're really going. Because God knows who you are and all you have to do is ask him. He'll tell you. You're my beloved. I sent my son to die for you. You are precious in my sight. You've been created for glory. You've been created to walk in my image and carry it to the whole world around you. There's nothing that is impossible with God. So, I need to land this plane. <laughs> so I want, do you have something to share, Linda? This is my incredible word. <laughs> I just want to add to what Tracy is saying, and then she's going to pray. Um, mm. When we were going through our now victorious battle of, of David, um, the, the day that we discovered what was happening that morning, um, we were having a quiet time, or I was, we, Jesus and I. Mm. And there's a scripture, um, I was trying to find it now, that spoke about, speaks about hope. Mm. But what's interesting, um, the hope that we have in Christ, faith, hope, um, if, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1, mm. that whole scripture. It was so amazing how the Lord just led me to that scripture before we found out about what was happening to David. Anyway, but what was very interesting, and this is what I want to add on to what Tracy was saying, because this is very key. If we get mm. this, we understand something, and we will be known as the victorious people that God has called us to. What is very interesting is the word hope can also be um, used as the word inheritance. Mm. So hope and inheritance is the same thing according mm. to the kingdom of God. And that is what we have, is we have hope, which is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Mm. What Tracy has said now is so true. Mm. It is finished. The mm. cross is paid for it for all. It's done. So the inheritance we have is the hope that we have in him. Mm. So I want to encourage you. So Tracy's going to definitely pray, because this is a word from the Lord. Mm. Um, I want to encourage you, trade whatever hopelessness you have for the inheritance you have in him. Mm. Trade it. Mm. Don't allow that to minister to you. Mm. That's not truth. Mm. The truth is what his, what his word says. Mm. Trade that. Thanks, Trace. Sorry. No Amen. Thank you, Linda. Yes, trade your, your rags for riches. Because that's what he wants you to do. Take off your grave clothes. You've got a beautiful garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I just feel right now that um, I want to ask a question. 
If any of you have felt that there's anything that you've believed about yourself that God has shown you to be a lie, I would like you to stand up. Because I want you to, to understand that there is something he wants to impart to those that he loves. He wants to impart his greatness into you today. He wants to deposit more glory into you today. Because those lies have the ability to strip you of what your true identity is. So right now, I want you to just to stand and I just want you to open your hands and I want you to go into receive mode. So Father, right now, I just thank you for everybody here that is standing today. And even those that are sitting, I just want you to release an impartation of a greater glory that you have for them. I just want you to release, Lord, the significance of who they are in you. I want them to have a deeper understanding, Daddy, of the love that you have for them. There's such a, a beautiful, intimate relationship that you want to have with every one of us because you've created us so uniquely in your image. You've created us for that inheritance. You've created us to receive a greater glory as we walk with you, Lord. And I just speak to the minds that have been operating from a lower platform. And I ask, Father, that you would start to renew their minds, to start to see from that higher platform, from that higher perspective, that their gaze, as they lift their gaze up, that they will have greater expectation that they will walk in expectation and not disappointment, that they will not allow disappointment to be a dictator in their life, that the disappointment today is broken in Jesus' name. And I speak to everybody who has allowed disappointment to control their lives, and I just break it off you in Jesus' name. And I speak dreams and visions of hope over every person in this room today. Dreams and visions and hope to start to manifest in their lives, that they will dream big dreams, that you will open doors for them to see that they've never, that like they have never seen before, that their eyes will be completely lifted and gazing towards heaven as they're walking from glory to glory in you. In Jesus' name I pray.